Welcome back again. Um, oh, that's, it's which is a weird way to start. You know what? <laughs> For a second, I forgot that you might have listened to these back to back. You, this will be the, the normal gap. Um, welcome back uh, to another episode of I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things, the podcast where myself and my pal Vaughn. Hello go through recent releases, um, spoil them horrifically, and uh, evaluate them terrifically. I'm working on that as a nice. new slogan. I, like that. It. I quite like it because it rhymes. Um, it's pretty, pretty good rhyme as well. Um, so today, um, we were thinking of multiple movies to do. Um, I pitched you several and you said no to all of them. I pitched you Moonfall. You weren't ready to watch Moonfall. What? I pitched you Death on the Nile. You will not watch Death on the Nile. Um, That's I more of a... Pitched- it's more of a result of our collective bad planning that we decided to record a second episode yesterday and you said yeah. in the middle of the day could you go to the theater <laughs> and see any of these movies before tomorrow and I was like well I guess like, I could go it's see a little Death last Nile was terrible <laughs> so yeah I, I, I pitched Death on the Nile I pitched Moonfall um, I think something else um, then was like oh maybe the souvenir part two we haven't seen the souvenir part one um, and for another time, perhaps those souvenirs are wonderful. Um, and then you smartly were like, "Oh, there's a film we've both seen, so we should just talk about that one." I was like, oh yeah, 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 you're right. A film we've both so, seen uh, from a director we both really like. I love Steven Soderbergh so much. Steven Soderbergh. Um, I feel this is not controversial at all. One of the greatest American directors of the time. Um, like just hero of North American cinema. Just abs- absolutely brilliant. Um, one of the most important filmmakers of all time as a film preservationist um, as well as a filmmaker um, he's the only reason we have films like Killer of Sheep still around like Charles Burnett's Masterpiece um, I think he personally bankrolled the um, music licensing of that um, so Damn. Killer of Sheep Charles Burnett movie which is utterly terrific I love Charles Burnett um, it's well I'll say second movie it's just, Steve Vang is even better um, so this is his was his first film and was a college project um, and therefore used all kinds of licensed music. <laughs> um, and the thing that was stopping it from any release was obviously it's very, very expensive. Right. And it was part of the restoration. Steve Zover was like, there you go, bam, done. And does a lot of things like that. Really interesting. I mean, to the extent that, I mean, I have not watched this actually. I need to. I don't think you've seen it either, Eros. The, um, no, I have not. Three-parter. Um, but like, it's it the most... I've not seen any parts of it. I've, I've seen Wong Kar Wai part. Yes, I've watched Wong Kar Wai's because he released an extended version of that oh. of that um, okay. in the Criterion set. So I, I watched that. that. You should watch his short, The Hand. It's very good. I think the extended version is like an hour long, actually. Awesome. I will watch that soon. So um, this this is how telling of how brilliant Steven Zetterberg is. Uh, this is a, a trifecta of directors here right. doing the three part <laughs> anthology. It's Steven Zetterberg, Wong Kar Wai, and Antonioni is like <laughs> bam 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 and also like three of my favorite directors of all time like they're just like bam 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 just like the best filmmakers so I don't know why I know I, I haven't watched it I don't have access to it um it's 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 like you know who who has seen it and also apparently it's not that great um but you know um so Steven Soderbergh um is, is we're both fans I am yeah. almost completionist with him because I, I got a bit of obsessed with him last year I've always been a big fan um, but I wanted to like take as much as possible. Um, sadly, the birth of his career is very much intertwined with the birth of Miramax and therefore the success of Harvey Weinstein. Right. Um, the two big Miramax original films were Sex Lives and Videotape and Cinema Paradiso, which are two 
masterpieces. Yes. Um, but obviously spearhead of that company. Though, in Steven Soderbergh's defense, um, he kept arm's length from Harvey Weinstein at all points, saying that he was a creep. To the extent this is very clear, because in his film Full Frontal, which is an awesome movie, um, Jeff Garland, now that's maybe not a great casting in retrospect due to the allegations about Jeff Garland at the moment, but Jeff Garland plays a predatory sex pest um, Hollywood executive who is not named in the film, but is credited in the credits as Harley, comma, sorry, Harvey, comma, probably. Oh. <laughs> which is, <laughs> That's pretty explicit, I would say. <laughs> which is awesome. This is the same movie where David Fincher plays the film director and like Brad Pitt plays himself. And uh, I also believe, briefly, I, I need to watch this. <laughs> Steven Soderbergh's in it. I, I really like Full Frontal. Full Frontal is a really awesome movie. Um, so Steven Soderbergh, also, I listened to an, a, a Stanley Defunct podcast, Switchblade Sisters, um, really brilliant um podcast you can listen to all the old episodes of um, april wolf film critic and filmmaker um she would get on female filmmakers um to talk about a film that inspired them their own career okay and um i don't know i can't remember who it was i should do someone that was in buffy um was on king of the hill um his third movie the second of his that i've seen i've not seen kafka right here it's again hard to find um and she said that basically king of the hill ruined filmmaking for her because it was such a positive experience that's her first film and she thought that's what filmmaking was like. So Steven Soderbergh is very famous for treating it like a job, basically, of people work their hours right. and they go home. There are no like ridiculous like 16-hour days. Like everyone is treated the same on the set. It's very just like wonderful atmosphere. They get the job done, they're there to do working, and apparently it's just, just wonderful. Um, so he's very famous for just being a great person to work with, like a real actor's director, which you see in his filmography. So we start to sit for the videotape, which we've both seen. Yes, fantastic movie. I, I'm, I would say probably on the on an objective level, probably his best film of of yeah. what I've seen at least, and I think most people would probably agree with that. I wouldn't say it's yeah. my favorite just because I have uh, my own kind of relationship. Ooh. I I have a I just really love Ocean's Eleven. Oh, it's I amazing. It's a, That's I think it's a wonderful it's movie. So oh yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Sex Lies and Videotape I think is a better movie, but I just. Ocean's Eleven is one of those early I, I don't movies. Know, actually. Both are incredible. Both are absolutely yeah. incredible films that do exactly like for psychosexual thrillers, you've got several movie tapes. And for the heist movie, like Ocean's Eleven oh, yeah. is just like such a revival. was the first, I mean, being of my age, of course, it was the first Soderbergh movie that I watched. I remember like we rented it from the, the video place to watch it um, with some family. And my brother was just like, my brother said, oh, I've got this new movie. It's by a Steven Esberg. And I was like, Steven Spielberg? <laughs> and I remember being disappointed. And now, now I'm just like, yeah, Steven Soderbergh is the Steven Esberg. He's my Steven Hell Esberg yeah. choice. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so it's on videotape. Absolutely awesome. Um, followed by Kafka, which I've not seen, um, which then gets to King of the Hill, which is more of a, a respectable film. Um, it is good. It's not great. Um, like a very like prestige drama. Um, and because that gets an acclaim, welcome to Soderbergh's career, where he just likes to just zag on you constantly. Oh yeah. So, King of the Hill is a strange follow-up to Sex and Videotape and Kafka. You're like, oh, he's going conventional, and then we have this like a film which I like more than most people, probably underneath. So it's a remake of a, an earlier noir film, um, which I've not seen. Crisscross is the movie, um, and this is just like you can see out of sight coming in. You can see the limey in this already. It's like a really like nasty, tall little noir film, which actually foreshadows Kimmy very nicely. It shows like his. What becomes the most okay. successful Soderbergh mode is genre filmmaker. Oh, and yeah. what makes Soderbergh great for me is he's very good at elevated art house film, but it's also exploitation film, but it's also just like slick right. genre film all at the same time. And it often maybe in a way that doesn't quite satisfy any of those, but still just like it's just fun and good. Um, 
Underneath didn't do very well. And then you get this utterly, just utterly bizarre movie called Schizopolis. Um, That's a great title. Which um, is strange and weird. I don't think it's great. I do like it. I admire the audacity of it more than I even like it. Um, Steven Soderbergh casts himself in the main role. It's pretty interesting. Um, it's all like no one, there's no credits and stuff. It's it's like clearly Mike man's getting too respectable. Right. <laughs> Man makes a, a weird ass movie. Um, and then he makes a film which I don't like at all called Grey's Anatomy. Um, not the TV show Grey's Anatomy. It's just um, Sporting Grey talking for 80 minutes. And I find him very irritating and okay. it's therefore very, very irritating. <laughs> Understandable. Um, and then we jump from there to outside which is a huge breakaway thing. So if Sex, Lies and Videotape is the all art house cred can, ha, 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 ha. Out of Sight is J-Lo, George Clooney, unbelievably right. chemistry, the coolest, sexiest, most awesome movie. <laughs> Man, just incredible. And this is, again, the story we're going to see. And then he continues that with The Limey. Have you seen The Limey? I was going to watch it this week. I'm it's really definitely good. interested in watching it. I saw it was at the top of your, or near the top of your list, and I wanted to check that out. Yeah, uh, my list I wouldn't trust because it's a lot. <laughs> I watched. I it was because I've watched these films ever so long. Like for right. example, I've only, seen, I've only seen Ocean's Twelve once. It was in the cinema. I was maybe 12, 13, However, I, I, when it came out, I didn't like it. So like, can't trust myself on that at all. <laughs> Limey's Limey's really good. Um, Terrence Stamp, really interestingly, it does this really fun thing where it has flashback footage of Terrence Stamp in it where he plays himself but it's because it's um footage from an early Ken Loach film but Terrence Stamp is in so it uses footage from that okay. to be the flashback footage um, oh, I like that. Cow. Um, it's really it's, it's really interesting and it's like again like he's such a creative fascinating filmmaker yeah. Limey is just this really great kind of like sexy beast style gangster movie if you don't get enough of it's not directly it's proper like British gangster right. uh rules definitely don't and get then then we go to the traditionally golden period of the Soderbergh career, the triple-hander of Aaron Brockovich, Traffic, Ocean's Eleven. Bam. That's quite a, yeah, that's quite a, a run there. Of yeah. Very um, well acclaimed Two of those movies. in the same year. That's, yeah, that's just amazing. His output is always amazing to me. Especially amazing seeing as he retired from filmmaking in 2013 and has made like seven <laughs> films since. He doesn't care, he just keeps going. Yeah, he officially retired and said that films were done, blah, 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 and then came back with Logan Lucky. We'll get to that. Um, M. Brockovich is great. Um, absolutely awesome movie. I've never seen Traffic. That's, that's, that's my I big. I haven't seen Traffic um, either, yeah. That's my big kind of like weird blind spot, blind spot here because uh, that's his Oscar winner. I guess that's why I haven't seen it. I'm like, Bleh. so these three, <laughs> like big commercial and critical hits. M. Brockovich, awesome. He like beat himself to best director between Traffic and Ed Brockovich <laughs> in the Oscars and beat himself to best picture. Like that's really funny. And then you've got Ocean's Eleven and like taking a Rat Pack movie that was like, eh, um, which I've not seen because I don't really like very much and just like reinventing the modern heist movie was oh, yeah. topped. Um, absolutely fantastic. This man, top of his game. What can he do? What does he do next? That weird movie with like Harvey Weinstein? That's the next movie. <laughs> of course it is. Bam. Wouldn't expect anything um, else. And then what does he do after that? Oh, I'm going to remake Solaris, says Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> and it's going to be 90 minutes long. I'm going to do a 90-minute remake of Solaris starring George Clooney. And I'm like, you know what? Fascinating. This Why is just not? like, just does not want to be pigeonholed, does not right. want to be told what to do, just like gets given checks and it's just cashing them wildly. Um, and then comes back to do your Oceans movies. Um, there's a There's a... Eros then, I haven't seen Bubble. Um, the Good German, I don't think is very good at all. It's very, very boring. Ocean's 13, 
is fun. Ocean's 12, I have no established opinion on. People like it. I'm sure it's good. As a child, I didn't like it. I'm sorry. It's been too long since I've seen both. I just, I love Ocean's 11 so much that I like keep mm. rewatching it, but I haven't revisited those two in so long that I barely know what my opinion on them is anymore. So Vaughn, you're a cel- celebrated filmmaker that's just made your like trilogy of like Hollywood heist movies. Right, of course I, mean, I am. The, the only sense way to follow this up is with a two-part biopic on Jason Farah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, rather than just like, you know, okay, rather than just like, does, does a biopic, it's like, no, two movies in a row, Jay, part one, part two, <laughs> which are really good. Um, I watched them as part of my uh, history coursework. I did my history coursework for A-level. Um, I did a piece on Jay Guevara and I watched it um, for that. Uh, with my dad and like them immensely and then you know those movies are respectful movies those movies got a bit of a claim we got to take a left so, turn um, now <laughs> left turn the girlfriend experience jesus christ which like, i just watched it watch? is great it's it's, it's, it's incredible fantastic. and i think i'm glad i watched that because it seems like it's a very good Makes counterpart Kimmy to Kimmy in a way, yeah. Mm. Which I guess we can get into yeah. that later too, as you continue yeah. through his filmography. Uh, Girlfriend experience is amazing. Like he he casts an adult film actress in the main role um, about sex work, about how capitalism exploits and takes advantage right. of, and just like corrupts. It's so raw. It's so interesting. It's so fascinating. It's so abrasive to the film market. It's so like oh, yeah. not what anyone was looking for. It's it, it's the only kind of thing that, that Soderbergh would do. It's brilliant. And then he follows that up with a Matt Damon-fronted comedy, <laughs> The Informant, <laughs> which I really love. I think it's a really fun movie, um, which is, again, him returning back to kind of Aaron Brockovich stuff, but more as a broader comedy kind of thing. And then we have Contagion. Obviously gotten a lot of, a lot of Press- popularity in the past yeah. few years here. Yeah, which I don't think is a great movie, but is, was, is interesting. Again, is this thing of like, Soderbergh just gets fascinations. Right. Um, and then he makes Haywire, like MMA star, um, <laughs> just makes a lean action movie just for the sake of it. It's pretty good. And, you know, it's been a while. Magic Mike is his next movie. <laughs> what do you, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I've ever, actually, I do briefly remember we've discussed Magic Mike a little bit. You Magic like Mike's the first great. one and don't like the second one. Is that right? The second one sucks. Um, the first <laughs> one is great because it's Steven Soderbergh movie. Steven Soderbergh is incredible at making films. He's just like so unbelievably good at it. It's a really good movie with like actual like core. It's got some stuff about, oh, yeah. like corruption, degradation and characters. And the second one, like it's got some good sexy scenes of hot men, but is also a hot mess and it's boring and I don't care about it. I will disagree with you. I do. I like the first one. I think the second one is even better. I don't know why you dislike it so much. I think it's movie. great. <laughs> I think I think in a way that works, but uh, this is not the Magic Mike XXL podcast. Yeah. Um, also, as a Soderbergh purist, I'm like, no Soderbergh, no me. Um, <laughs> then you got then you got side effects, which is goes, goes back to like a neat thriller, like twist movie, um, very much like foreshadowing Unsane. Then he does the TV movie Behind the Candelabra, he returns the biopic, <laughs> so his Liberace biopic, which is just wild. Then he's like, you know what? I've done a heist movie in a while. I'll never heist movie, but in the most Soderbergh way, we get Logan Lucky, which is oh, yeah. such a good movie. I, lo- I love Logan Lucky, and I love that it it uses Logan Lucky to also then like make fun of Ocean's Eleven in a way, like he mm. references himself. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is this is the director who brought 
who brought us Julia Roberts saying she looks like Julia Roberts um, <laughs> to get into a casino. Like, oh, it's, it's the good stuff. It's the good stuff. Logan Lucky just rules. This is his return. So he, he retired in 2013, came back in 2017 with, with Logan Lucky or Ocean 7-Eleven, as I heard it called at <laughs> the time, which is, which is a good gag. Um, and then we get into the weird period. Now we get, if you thought that was a weird period, Soderbergh, now we get Soderbergh completely disjointed from hollywood or any kind of production just just doing his own stuff like oh, he's yeah. now got this deal with hbo so the first one of that is unsane which i don't know if you've seen or not i have not that's the one he shot it's, on an iphone correct yeah this is this is he's like i'm making movies on iphones now it's like you do that you do just like <laughs> you do whatever you want <laughs> you're retired i guess it makes me, it, it's uh, it has some problematic messaging vis-a-vis mental health i quite like it i feel like i shouldn't it is like mm, it's a bit grim i remember yeah. watching it with my partner emma and she was just like that was really distasteful i'm like oh i did like it though she's like mm. and i'm like yeah no i was like you are right no you are right yeah you're definitely right I'm like, no but you are right but yeah uh, and then we enter streaming period uh yeah. well he makes two netflix films in a row and now he makes made three HBO films in a row, which I guess is part of, I mean, I don't know, American things is part of some wider network, I'm sure. Um, so High Flying Bird is from, I think, the writer of Moonlight? Um, oh, is, really? Yeah, I, I, I need to double check that in case I am wrong. Yes, it is. Good, yeah. Writer, writer of Moonlight. Interesting. Um, it's this really interesting film. It's really dense. Um, it's this very stats-driven basketball management thing that's also a really precise and observant thing about racial politics because of course it's from it is, the, it's the, the, the writer of Moonlight <laughs> and, yeah. and the writer of Moonlight you get those together and like and then like every Soderbergh film in the last act you go oh this has been a fun thriller the whole time I didn't even realize oh how exciting it, it reminds me of Power of the Dog which is again a weird comparison it was like the last three minutes of Power of the Dog you're like oh this has been a thriller the whole time excellent it's always it a good feeling kind of it. Mm. you're like oh i thought this was just like dense dry right. stuff but if i'd been paying more attention if I actually well because you couldn't if i knew what i could have been paying yeah. attention to i'd have been like ah that's going somewhere <laughs> um then we get the laundromat which um i like more than most people because i hate the big sick more than most people Not the big six sorry um the big short Okay, I, I was really like the big hate, sick. I, that's a good movie because, yeah this is great um i really really hate the big short i despise it um i think vice is also terrible and obviously don't look up is abysmal um yes the laundromat is very much steven soderbergh's um the big short um but he's just cleverer i'm sorry like, he's, he's, <laughs> well, he's a, most people are cleverer than adam mckay <laughs> he's it's, it's not a good film it's it's and it is stylistically irritating in places but it is cleverer it is more prescient it right. is it is very blunt very on the nose but it feels much more worthwhile than those movies um and he gets unfairly maligned i didn't see let them all talk because it didn't come out in the uk sad time and then we have his next two movies which came out in the last year did you see no sudden move i did i need to watch it again i oh, i liked so it good. but it's i feel so like i good. I was I was out of it that day or something. I feel like I was kind of missing a lot of what was going on. So I, just, I need to rewatch it. It's surprisingly uh, you've got to pay attention right. really, in in a way that it doesn't like. And it, it and again, Soderbergh has been weird. Like he shoots the entire thing and it's like wide angle for no apparent reason, apart from like I in my review of it, like broke down like in like this sense of like knowing distortion of like he wants yeah. to draw attention to things constantly, constantly, constantly. Uh, so great, so great, so great. 
Um, no Son of Movie is awesome. I think it's one of his best movies. It's his best movie of the year of the two movies of the three movies that have been made. Um, which then leads us to our film, which I've been a long time coming here, but it's worth it because Steven Soderbergh is worth it, goddammit. Kimmy. Absolutely. Vaughn, what's Kimmy? Kimmy is a Soderbergh's uh, 2022 version of making very, very specific of their time films about what's going on in the current climate mm. um, that kind of delves into... Kimmy, Kimmy, I should say, since we both got this wrong, Kimmy is not the main character of the movie. <laughs> yeah, all right. You showed me a poster with Zoe Kravitz right. leading with her blue hair, and it just says Kimmy underneath it. I'm like, oh, it's Kimmy from Kimmy. You know, it's Chappie from Chappie. Oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. It's, it's, it's got that vibe. I'm like, look, I wanted to, like, be watching it. I watched it, and I'm like, look, Emma, it's Kimmy. But no, <laughs> no, that's not Kimmy. Kimmy is in reference to the the films in universe version of like an Alexa or like a Google home. Um, But in this film, the company that has designed this machine, instead of having it automatically, like in Mm. lieu of machine learning, trying to improve the voice recognition, they have actual people listening to the voice input and fixing it and learning from it manually. And that's the central conflict of the film. Now, does that make any sense at all? No, not no. really. Um, <laughs> that's not really a thing you could do. Um, is it a very interesting way for him to make a new version of Blow Up meets the conversation meets Rear Window? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's 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 great. I liked it. I, I think I liked it more than you, but I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And there are some, I'll say there's definitely some reasons for me liking it probably more than most, which is that I love how Seattle-centric it is. Mm. It goes back to, I've, I've been reading a lot about it um, in terms of people's takes on it, and it goes back to, I am so aware that I'm a Soderbergh apologist because there are things right. in other movies where I'm like, that's bad, and I'm like, I'm, I always give the benefit of the doubt. I, like, I think a thing I've learned from watching movies is it's always best to first think why before you critique. Of like, If you find a thing, you go, what is this? You go, okay, but right. why is it doing that? So there's like, so with no sudden move, I'm like, this looks ridiculous. I'm like, okay, but why is it doing that? Okay, that does actually fit the theme. That's really clever. That's really interesting. Um, this has a lot of just like, really just like strange angular shots the whole way through in a way that I've read a lot of people being like, this film looks, looks bad. I'm like- I would no. totally disagree um, with that. No. It is, it is totally going for all this like heightened hysteria, paranoia thing. Yeah. And with the all the Dutch angles, and it also is like at, at points, it is very, very heavily looting to Vertigo. It's got like a very like, I forget oh, yeah. who does the score. The score is very, very good. But it's like a, I can... it's very Bernard Herrmann. Um, it's very much like alluding to the Vertigo score. It's just enough than being its own kind of like modern Ooh. thing at the same time. Cliff Martinez, I should have remembered that. Oh, I like yeah, Cliff damn. Martinez a lot. Yeah, he's great. Didn't he do the Kane Lynch soundtrack? I can't tell you that looking at the letterboxed page, <laughs> but probably. I don't think he did. This is a, a strange poll. No, I don't think he did. The Ken. Uh, all of the movies he scored, and you go for Kane and Lynch the game. <laughs> I go for the, he's done a lot with. Um, do you not think he? I don't know. Like, you keep talking. I'm going to look up Cliff. <laughs> well, Kane and Lynch. I'll say for those who might be unfamiliar with Cliff Martinez, most famously, I would say he did the drive so, drive score, which is fantastic spring breakers he also did other, no, I'm, thinking of, of other... I'm thinking of clint mansell I'm clint... Clint <laughs> all of that for not even the same person of course clint mansell did the Kane and lynch score. i don't know why i know that clint mansell did the Kane and lynch score i don't know why i know anything about the Kane and lynch score um but yeah that's clint mansell resident Kane and lynch fan steven over here i have played both Kane and lynch <laughs> video games thank you very much <laughs> 
I mean, obviously, it would be weird if you hadn't played them but knew the composer. As you may or may not know, K.M. Lynch 1 has a very important place in video game history as the video game that got video game journalist Jeff Gerstmann fired from GameSpot. Yeah, I didn't know that. There you go. It's very interesting. He wrote a negative review of it, and then they came to publisher pressure, and he got fired. So therefore, I played it. That is interesting. Mm, It is interesting. That does make sense to me why you ended up playing it, because Mm. of that specifically. Mm. There you go. Now they came Lynch 2. Which is surprisingly good. <laughs> we're totally off topic at this point. I can't even remember <laughs> what we're talking about. The score of Cliff Martinez. Martinez. <laughs> of Cliff not Martinez. by the guy that Kane Lynch. So all you Kane Lynch fans who love like the Sonic Escape of Kane and Lynch, you're not going to get that here. But it is a very good score. It's a very good score. Very, very good score. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like Hitchcockian, well, Bernard Herrmann, um, and like links to the, the off-kill camera stuff. It's like Again, such intentional filmmaking. Soderbergh is just so fluent in cinema and just knows exactly right. how to do... Just, he thinks in cinema so clearly, but in a very like, functional way, in a clinical way that I actually really enjoy. Oh, yeah. Um, but the really, way really shot, enjoy. I mean, I think it's great for multiple reasons. One, I think it does, like you said, it helps sell that paranoia and that hysteria of like the atmosphere of it. But I think it's also very clearly trying to mask the state that they're filming in. Like, it's a movie that was filmed mm. during COVID and is... Yeah, partially about COVID. Yes, and so it's it in shorthand in, cleverly, Clever, right? COVID shorthand to get character so motivation, which is really smart actually. It's filmed in a city that is pretty empty, and so those those shots that are those close ups and those those angles kind of help mask that mm. what's in the surrounding is fairly empty, and I think it uses that very well to help sell what is a more bustling city in a space that he was limited. So I hear, I hear Seattle bustles. Uh, there's a good chase for it. I mean, it's good. Yeah. And yeah, this is interesting. I mean, I want to get my reservations out of the way, first of all. I think this is a re. it turned out to be a really fun... I mean, Emma really enjoyed it as well. We, like, we, we watched it in two settings because we were away. I had it downloaded um, uh, to watch through. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is really good. Really enjoyed it. Uh, it's not a great movie. Really, really fun. Um, turned out to be a more effective thriller that it was. I think like the first half of like, oh, some good ideas going on here. The second half yeah. is like, ah! Never mind. Uh, nail guns. Um, yeah. And I like never mind nail guns. But it reminds me. It reminds me a lot of side effects. Which side effects is a film which for the first twenty minutes you're like this right. is cool. This is clever. And you go. Oh, this is really stupid. Actually. Yeah. Side effects is, is um, fun but not great. <laughs> you're like actually this is the least interesting way to run this up. It, Kimmy is better than that. Um, yeah. But it does go to being like ah cleverness to I don't know more nail guns people. But nail guns are fun. And um, I think there is some. Some mix it mixes up its metaphors and messaging, I think, not severely but disappointingly for Soderbergh. Of I don't, I don't know what it thinks about its things ultimately. I, I mean, obviously, it, it thinks right. the um surveillance state bad, but then surveillance state also kind of the only way that this thing got found. But then it goes, it, it goes back yeah. to the, the root thing of Soderbergh, which I why I like him is he seems to understand actually to be to be kind of movie, I think actually to conjure myself he understands what systemic issues of it it's, yes, it's not down absolutely. to this thing being good bad it's like this in a capitalist framework is just not going to work this right. can't work here this can't work this can't work here and it's the system that's always the issue in his films what i do think is the problem is having 
Kimmy the device at times being both the saving element yeah. and both the um, the element of jeopardy and the element of invasiveness. Um, it makes for a fun action scene at the end, but it's just like, is Kimmy good? Is Kimmy bad? And maybe it's not supposed to be as simplistic as that, but I feel it invokes that at the beginning and then sets it apart. And I feel because there's a bit at the beginning where it very much drills down more on this like corporate wrongdoing, which doesn't right. really bring back to, and because it doesn't really wrap up its thing, the actual wider plot it just wraps up the personal plot um and some of the some of the agoraphobia stuff is very much like easily kind of like kind of like it, it matters a lot in the first half yeah and then doesn't matter as much um but i think both halves are independently very good yeah i actually don't necessarily disagree with you i do think the kimmy stuff at times is a bit messy i do think that that's probably his goal. I don't know how mm. well he actually gets it across, but I think that's a big part of it. And I think it's it's also why it's important that he sets it in current day in the situation that we are in, you know, because it does present this as, yeah, this is, you know, terrible. The surveillance state stuff is, is harmful to our society, but it's yeah. also partially we're kind of in at the mercy of it because of the situation that we're in and that we have to rely on this yeah. stuff for communication. And it is also like useful and and, and good. Like I, I don't have any of that stuff in my house because I, I don't want it in my house. I don't, I don't right. want to do that. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not interested. Like at all. It's just like a thing. I'm. I wanted to forget like political soapbox podcasts, but like I had a conversation with some people recently when we realized that like almost all of them have those ring doorbell things, and I think those are hugely invasive, and I think they're a problem. You should not have. Them. I personally think you should not have a camera on your front of your door because no one is consenting to be filmed in the street. You should not be filmed in the streets. Um, that's a weird thing. I don't think we should do that. Anyway, random <laughs> side point. Um, so this stuff is not my bag. So I'm trying to separate my own baggage from it, right. from the film, which I think could come down it more. But I don't think it's interested in that. I think you're right. It's very much like, it's kind of chronicle, like a, a complicated thing with technology. Yeah. I think the one element it does bungle is that there's a strange stalker element, which it just, like there's this character who exists as an homage to um, Rewindo, who is just like looking in um, a short film about like love as well, actually, the Kozlovsky film. It's just like looking into this apartment over time and then also kind of like ends up as a, like a nice savior figure in a longer movie. There'll be time to interrogate yeah. that arc in this one. It's just a little bit. I love that. It's like almost like 80, 90 minutes. Like it's, it's just tight and it's cool. Yeah. It's very fast. But, it also brings in some stuff being like, okay, but that's a bit uncomfortable and that's quite charged and that's not quite resolved. And because it's actually quite a serious thing, I'd like that to be resolved. And I'd like that to be debated. Um, but as a facilitator for a smart, because it is intelligent, for a smart thriller, it's a really good smart thriller. Yeah, I absolutely. I, I just think, I mean, like you said, it's that nice, tight, like 90 minute movie that just, you know, glides by. It's so, mm. so easy to watch and so much fun. Mm. Um, I probably can't disagree about that element of it with that character who I don't think is dealt with super well. Um, but it's, it's also weird, almost, that one. Yeah, it's almost too like peripheral to like be glaring, you know, especially for me. Like it's not like a yeah, huge no, deal, totally. but but I do agree. It's it's kind of unnecessary at the end. I think it goes back to a critique that we fall back on here a lot. It's just like pick the movie that you are. And there are two movies there. There is one movie that's very much like, I don't think you've seen the Kozlovsky films. I think Kozlovsky's not as seen as he should be, um, especially more the, the fringe ones. Um, so short film about love, which very much interrogates the idea of, it takes a peeping Tom 
right. character and then it makes it about that and, it, and it's all about people engaging with that relationship and that two relationship with like being seen being looked at when it means to be looked at when it means to want to look at people and then there is the other film which is the corporate conspiracy thriller um and then i'm like i would rather it be cleanly one of those at that point so be the film about agoraphobia be the film about like social concerns and i do get how it matches up it's a smart metaphor in description yeah. of like mixing surveillance states with being caught inside because of covid and then that becoming right. um highlighting existing issues anyway and existing problems that people live with and that the increasing that that's really fascinating um but then it's not quite that for me i i mean i i don't necessarily agree i think it pulls off that stuff pretty well as far as you know kind of tying it all together and making it all into a cohesive image I think regardless of what the movie's about, I, I do think that third act kind of just, like you said, it kind of throws it away a little bit um, and maybe doesn't but wrap it, does, it up but it does as perfectly. But it is, right, it's great. It's it's a very, very entertaining third act. It's I, I love this for the same reason. I, I think it's really good. I think it's a really good movie. And I, I love it for the reason that I love Soderbergh. Of this is such like Soderbergh in film of like, yeah. I thought it was worthwhile to go through his filmography because like, you could use this movie as a metaphor for this film where like, it starts out a certain way, a little bit arty, and then it goes this way, and then it's like that. And at the end, we're like, ah, who really cares? <laughs> like, this is Soderbergh the movie. Oh, like, yeah. it's, his, it's, it's his fascination has been for different ways. It's him just showing that he can just do it. He's doing it as he wants to. And then he's just like, how about some fun? And you're like, yeah, I'd like some fun. Um, and it's really fun at the end. Like, then just, I was not, I was not expecting that. The like, 10 minute just like definitely not multiple <laughs> it definitely came out of nowhere but i was like all right i'm on board yeah um final girl again say that texas chainsaw no yeah it <laughs> ruled um so yeah I, I i strongly recommend kimmy it's really really good um it's no no sudden move as a move is awesome um which i will but... definitely need to revisit at some point mm. and i will once again give kimmy bonus points for its seattle location which it uses very well and is mostly shot actually in the city i think they shot the apartment stuff is uh is this well, you give me a look here i'm interested in yeah. what you have to say i've got a question coming up you know you knew this question was coming you're gonna have to rank the seattle movies of 2021 slash i can only think of two i didn't know if i was missing another one i probably it's malignant versus kimmy I would have to. I would have to say, uh, but well, if we're saying Seattle movies, Kimmy wins okay. every time ah, because nice. Malignant is the approach. This is Malignant. how you get a top ten that no one agrees with. <laughs> Absolutely, that's the way to do it. Malignant is a better movie. That is well, Malignant is a modern masterpiece. Of course, it's better. <laughs> that is pretty much almost entirely not filmed in Seattle outside of like a couple of dis- specific shots. The James Warnerverse does not conform to geography, right? The James no, it definitely does not. <laughs> these All these Seattle houses that are covered in palm trees in that movie. Um, Kimmy is... The outdoor stuff where she's walking through the streets of Seattle is all shot in Seattle, and it's fantastic. You know, it's places that I know and are specific to Seattle. He doesn't feel the need to ever do the thing that most seattle filmmakers do which is provide a bunch of sweeping helicopter shots of the space needle <laughs> to make sure that you know where you are this it's movie never does off. that it's just in the it's... city it's great i get to see my seattle buses it's just nice to watch a movie <laughs> that, that likes seattle you know and having that fun foot chase i guess must help that i, I, I don't know oh, yeah. anywhere obviously but that was, was was a was a good a good foot chase um I had, 
do, you, do we know why Seattle? Like, I don't, I don't know. Is, is, is that where he lives now? Is this like a thing of like just he, or is it? Not a, that I know of. I, I, I remember they were, they were shooting it here. I think probably the main reason is because it's a movie about these tech companies and that's where, okay. you know, Amazon and, and is, is probably the main reason. I think that okay. works, but I, if there's another reason, I don't know what it is. It's interesting. I, I, I thought it might be zeros and ones syndrome where it's like, this doesn't make sense <laughs> in the film, but it's also because I was just here. <laughs> I feel just... like I would know if Steven Soderbergh lived in Seattle, but maybe I'm just uh, uninformed. Yeah, I, I, yeah I've, I've no idea. I mean, the America's a mystery to me. Um, <laughs> so that is that is Kimmy. Um, uh, we both like it a lot. Uh, Vaughn's a little bit horror in it than I am. Um, things have come scared a little bit better than I do um, but again I also had a, a, a truncated watch of it so that wouldn't have helped either to be fair so I'll give you the benefit of the doubt there you are probably correct um, so, <laughs> I appreciate um, that yeah it, it's alright it's alright I'm not a proud man um, we'll be back at some point there's, a, there's, there's movies coming out I don't know what we're going to get to could be anything there's some stuff coming out in March we've got the Batman uh, coming oh, yeah, out it'll soon be, it'll be that. Oh, you know what it'll be that you know what yeah. um, We'll probably record an episode. We'll probably both be saying that the week. We might record another one next week and get that in there. The Batman. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a, it's an exciting release. And then more exciting for me than probably anybody else. We've got uh, Ty West's X coming out this month as well. Horror movie. Oh, cool. Nice. I like I like him. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Also, was, isn't he in your next as well? I think so, I think yeah. Get, I think he gets killed in your so. next. <laughs> I think he does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what a great movie. Um, so that's what's next. Um, you know what? I might, I might try and see that. It'd be fun to talk about. Um, so yeah, um, please do the site, thetwingeeks.com, our various podcasts doing their things, could be doing anything at this point. Um, who knows? Um, we don't have the inside scoop cast. this time. <laughs> we don't. Um, well, I might have the inside scoop on what's happening with um, the Bogdanovich cast next, which will not be the Bogdanovich cast. Um, I am I am in discussions with a with a Calvin and a David about what we are going oh. to do next. Are you going to be a, a long term guest on the podcast? What we, no, a short term guest. A oh, short term okay. guest. I didn't know if you were joining for the whole director. No, 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 no. no, no I, well, well, I we are trying to work out a project of finding someone with a short filmography. That will okay. be a couple of episodes. We were going to do someone, and we might hold that one for later. And we may have decided on someone who I'm pretty excited about, actually. Um, but we'll see about that. That will happen. And again, things, things could get in the way. But at some point, I'll be there. Uh, Dead Recast, um, they've got Half-Life 2 episode, which will probably be up by now. Um, Half-Life 2 is probably the greatest video game ever made. So listen to that. All right. What's going on uh, Ranking the Monsters? What's up next? Um, uh, probably All Monsters Attack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not, not that far out yet. <laughs> No, not that, but I don't know, some, some crap Godzilla movie. You know what? Um, oh, I might, we should probably save a monster's attack and do the Gambara, um, do Gambara clip show with Godzilla clip show together. That'd be smart. Battle of the clip shows. Have you gotten to uh, Jiger yet? We'll probably do that. You know what? We'll, we'll do Jiger, Jiger, whatever it is. Jiho, we'll get that one done. Um, that's fun. That's my um, favorite. Uh, that's my favorite show of Gamera, personally. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe it will be mine on a rewatch, so we will find out. Um, so check all those things. And Absolutely. until next time. I'm thinking about it. Oh, wait, I'll, I'll oh. wait. No, wait. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> what are you missing? Because uh, you, you could like, follow, follow Vaughn on Twitter, for example. What? <laughs>
Or could... in Twitter, are you trying to confuse people with my username again? <laughs> no. <laughs> no Maybe. What you could do is follow me on Letterboxd at Zebra, yeah, where zero my Twitter zebra, is linked. No, just Zebra. Zero Zebra. Yeah, you can follow Zero Zebra on Letterboxd. Or Steve is on Letterboxd. Um, we almost had a clean ways. end of this episode, and then Steve had <laughs> so chaos. <laughs> I like chaos. Um, like that movie, A Little Chaos, a movie I've not seen. <laughs> I haven't seen it either. I don't know who you're referencing that for. <laughs> Alan, I think Alan Rickman, that's, no, he directed that. Alan Rickman directed and starred in Little Chaos. Emma watched it. We have it on DVD. She said it was okay. All right. There there's an insight into Steven's <laughs> DVD collection. A new segment of our show. <laughs> yes, that's our DVD of the week. Today's DVD of the week <laughs> is A Little Chaos, the Alan Rickman directed and starring vehicle. That Stephen has not seen. Have not seen. Maybe we'll we'll do that next time. Until until next time on Steven's DVD closet. (laughs) Next time? I don't know. What could it be next time? All kinds of things. Are we we ready to end it now? (laughs) I don't say the life. Until next time, I'm thinking of ending this podcast. Yay. There we go. (laughs) 